This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we want to appreciate you. We love you. We thank you for who you are in our lives. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, as we look into your word of life, Lord, we want to draw strength from your word today. Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes of understanding to see the realities of the kingdom and the realities of Christ. That after today, we will never be the same again. We thank you, blessed Redeemer, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may please be seated. God bless you. And I want to uh, start by saying thank you to everyone. Uh, the last time I was here was Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. Uh, you guys honored us, and it was just simply amazing. Simply amazing. God will honor you in the name of Jesus. You know, I got two packages in the mail at my home. I knew it was for me, but I don't know who from. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so how do I say thank you now? You know, but uh, somehow we figured it out. <laughs> so it's not lost. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Two Sundays ago, uh, <laughs> Pastor Cole uh, preached a sermon talking about how big is your God. Thank you for that message. Uh, and last Sunday, Pastor Joyce talked about be careful what you say. You know, this past week, those messages have just lingered in my heart. And uh, <laughs> during the week, uh, during the past week, Pastor Cole had sent me a message. I told him, I said, this is a quote. This is a Twitter-ready quote. <laughs> But it was too much for Twitter. I said, this is something that's going to bless somebody's life. Do I have your permission to post it? He said, oh, yeah, 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 Pastor, go ahead. So I posted it on my Facebook, and it was trending. You know, so if you are not following me, that's your loss, man. What can I say? <laughs> Some good stuff there. Uh, but this morning, before we begin, I want us to sing a song that I've sang I don't know how many times uh, this past week, you know? And it just simply says, I love you, Lord. It says, your mercies never fail me. This month, our theme is mercy. Say, your mercy never fail me. All my days have been held in your hands. From the moment I wake up <laughs> till I lay down, till I lay my head, I will sing of your goodness. Say, all my life, you have been faithful. You know, we lose perspective when we can't reflect. Reflection keeps everything in perspective for you. For a lot of people, where you are right now is all you can see. You forgot about his faithfulness. He's been good. That's the song I sang for. It was my song for many years. God's been good. Through it all, he's been good. So I want the choir, uh, Sister 
Modupe is going to lead, lead us with that song. Let's go. I love you, Lord. Let's rise to our feet. lives you have been faithful regardless of where we are right now but through it all you have shown yourself strong and mighty amen you may please be seated I get so emotional as I sing that song like I said I've sang it many times at least ten times this past week and it's the same because it brings memories of his faithfulness. So I want to encourage someone today, regardless where you are in your journey of life, whatever. You didn't get where you are today all by yourself. 
<laughs> You've had challenges in the past that seemed like it was going to take your life. You felt it was all over, but look at you today. Uh, you overcame that, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next. And where you are today, it has come, and it will pass. Amen. For five people. Amen. It has come, and it will pass. Amen. Oh, okay, a few more people now. <laughs> Watch this. As I meditated on those sermons that I told you about, one of the things that the question I asked myself is, as a child of God, forget about being pastor. <laughs> as a child of God, what is most important in my life as a Christian? One of the things I have seen is we lose perspective and it causes us to lose sight of important things. So I asked myself that question. I know for most Christians, they have to make heaven. Okay, let's remove to make heaven. That will seem like an equalizer for everybody. You take that out. What is most important to you? That was an honest question I asked myself. And the answer I came up with did not surprise me. It made me understand why I've done what I've done everything that I've done. For me, the one thing that is very important to me is knowing God. I just want to know him. You know, like Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, said that I might know him. That is, after all that he had done, he said the one singular thing important to him is that he may know him. You know, for some people is that I may hold large crusades. Nothing wrong with that. Or that I might be a miracle worker. Nothing wrong with that. But I realize that the one thing that is more important to me than anything else as a child of God is the knowledge of God. And I realize that that is why I have the disposition that I have towards God and the things of God. So, when things are bad, when things are good, it, it really doesn't matter the situation as long as I have seen a glimpse of him and he has said something to me about that situation, I'm okay. So I have full assurance that he's capable of change. Where did time go? I've not even started and I'm, my time is almost up. <laughs> but watch this. As I thought about that, uh, last weekend I was not in church obviously I, I preached a message at a ceremony and I asked a question that James asked in James chapter 4 verse 14 James inspired by the Holy Spirit asked the question what is your life what is your life I'm reading the New King James Version here he says, what is your life? It is even as that, it's even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the transiency of life. 
Life is transient. You live 80 years, you live 100 years, it goes by like that. I mean, look at you. I, mean, I, I remember myself, when I, when I saw people my age, I thought they were old. Yeah. I, I felt they were old, very old. You know, people, you, when you see them in my culture, you prostrate to grief. Old people. It amazes me that anybody would think I'm old. <laughs> in fact, my friends, <laughs> it's not happened to me, at least not yet, and hopefully not for a long time. <laughs> you know, my friends, they tell me that people will sit there and say, ah, Baba, how are you? <laughs> ah. <laughs> that scared me. Like, Papa, how are you? The day somebody says Papa to me, I say, watch yourself. <laughs> I praise the Lord. The transiency of life. Life is short. I was just a little boy just yesterday. I graduated college just yesterday with great hopes and aspirations of the things I wanted to accomplish. But I'm... Life is settling. <laughs> At this age, it's beginning to settle. There's still much to be accomplished. You know, and my fear is, like God said to Joshua, he said, there is much land to be conquered, but you're old. You can't get much done anymore. Friends, I found that life is short, no matter how long we live. Think about your parents. <laughs> My father-in-law passed at age 98. The way my wife mourned, no disrespect or anything, you would think it was a young person that had just died. There's no good time to die is what I'm saying. No good age. Any age we pass on, <laughs> our loved ones will, will be devastated. I have my mom, 83 years old. I don't want her to go. I'm very confident I'll be devastated whenever that time comes. Watch this. If you understand the transiency of life, you will not engage in frivolities. You know, just petty stuff. Oh, he said this about me. She said that about me. That is why I said all the sermons that have been preached... It's just been amazing. Watch this. Psalm 103, verses 15 and 16. Psalm 103. I'm going to run through this as quickly as I can. Psalm 103, 15 and 16. It says, our days on earth are like grass. If you didn't get that, it said like wild flowers. How many people know what this uh, Texas flower is? The blue bonnet. Do you see blue bonnet all year long? No. It appears for a little time and then it's gone. Sunflower. He said, our lives, our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers. We blossom, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone. As though we had never been there. First Chronicles. First Chronicles 29.15. First Chronicles 29.15. He said, we are here for only a moment. We are all here only as visitors. 
We are here only as strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Make life count. <laughs> if you didn't get it, that's where I'm going. Make your life count. Someone said, it doesn't matter how much you have, what makes a, the difference is what you do with what you have. What good is a gift that I can sing, I can sing very beautifully, but nobody can hear my beautiful renditions. I just do it in my bathroom, in the shower, or as I'm looking at myself in the mirror. All my life you have been faithful. The reason for the gift is not for you. It's to bless others. That's the point of the gift. Hallelujah. Job. Job said, Job 14 verse 1. How frail is humanity. How short is life. How full of trouble. Make your life count. Make your life count. Make it count. Look at your neighbor and say, make your life count. The way some people live is as though they will live forever. But we owe our very breath to God. Amen? He's the author and the giver of life. So whilst I'm alive, make it count. Make it count. Make it count. And I'm going to, I want to tie this to where I left off the last time. Three weeks, Sundays ago, I was talking about the seed. Today, I want to talk about the value of that seed that's in, in you. If you were not here the last time, you can check on our pod bin. You will find the sermon there. But I established the last time, we talked about Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, talking about the seed of Abraham, right? And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, we saw that Christ is the seed of Abraham. Anybody remember that? Yes? So if Christ is the seed of Abraham, and Christ lives in me, is alive in me, right? Uh, Colossians 1.27, it says, he is the hope of glory in us. Amen? Amen. So God wanted them to know that the riches of the glory of Christ are, the, uh, are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in me. So it means that seed, if Jesus is the seed of Abraham, I have that seed in me. There is no seed that has ever been planted and grew and the harvest was a seed. It's impossible. It's always bigger, always better, always multiple. All right? So let's jump ahead. We said the seed can be a seed a thought or an idea, a person, and uh, Dr. Uh, Obi was uh, wonderfully surprised uh, that Sunday when the seed came forth with the harvest for her. 
a seed she had nurtured. So, but we started talking about the seed principle. Number one, number one, I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can without making me feel rushed. <laughs> number one is I want you to know when it comes to the seed that God cannot be mocked. When it comes to a seed, God cannot be mocked. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Say, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So, whatever seed you are sowing, okay, if you are sowing seed of discord, guaranteed, you will harvest discord. Anyone sowing seed of this division or bitterness, what it says, God, please leave that scripture up. It says, God, don't be misled. God cannot be mocked. I mean, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. For some people, what they are experiencing today is the harvest of the seed they had sown in the past. God, when it comes to the seed, God cannot be mocked. If you desire money, you have to sow money. You cannot sow a mango seed and expect to reap apples. It will never happen. In fact, the day you are able to do that, it means we can give you the title of chief priest in the Juju kingdom. And the voodoo, whatever. <laughs> it will never happen. It will, whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. That will, he will reap. Number two, I talked about this the last time, the seed size. Regardless of the size of a seed, it has the full potential to become whatever parent, tree, plant, whatever it came from. I gave you the example of the mustard seed. Right? Very tiny. But when it grows, it grows into a massive thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> the example that came to mind here is uh, Dr. Miles Monroe of Blessed Memory. Came from a tiny island. In fact, I knew about him before I knew about Bahamas. Africa. <laughs> I just knew Dr. Miles Monroe. Oh, he's from the Bahamas. Where the heck is that? You know, oh, it's an island off the coast of Florida. Oh, I see. What does that mean? <laughs> Until I visited. It's a good place. You can go visit. You have fun. Watch this. Out of that tiny island was produced a man of worldwide influence. Known everywhere. The size of the seed does not change the potential of the seed. Okay. Number three. So number one is what? God cannot be mocked. Number two. The size of the seed does not impact the potential of the seed. Number three. Quantity is important. <laughs> the scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, said for King James Version, But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Watch this. If you had 
one acre of land to plant. And you decided to plant 10 seeds. Are you going to maximize the land you have? No. You just have stuff growing in the corner where you put them. Or if you decide to scatter it, I'll throw one here, throw one there. I just, I just scatter the seed so that the seed, be, as far as I can scatter, it will just fill the land. You have just lied to yourself. It will not fill any land. Wherever you put it, it will just grow. And that's the one singular harvest you're going to have there. So quantity matters. Okay? Quantity matters. This is really not where I'm going. I just wanted to finish that thought before I move on. The ground is also important. The soil in which you're sowing matters. Jesus told the parable of the sower. Matthew chapter 13. We read it the last time. Right? And he told them that this man that went out to sow, some fell by the wayside, some fell among rocks and thorns, and so on and so forth, and then some fell on good soil. It is not every cause that you put money that will give you a return. <laughs> I started doing stocks a couple of years now. You know, and I put money in some, some stock, and I'm lo looking at my money. I'm losing value. Losing, I said, this is not a good ground. <laughs> it's yielding. It's just yielding negative. <laughs> so I took my money out. I put it in another soil. Excuse me. Please listen close. Within a month, I recovered all of my losses. That new stock I invested in, right now, as, of, as I speak to you, the percentage growth over the past maybe five months, five months, is like 70%. I recouped everything I lost and gained more. What am I saying to you? Where you sow your seed is important. To the glory of God, I say this. To the glory of God. Salvation Center is a good ground to sow. I gave the example of the office staff the last time. We have people laboring behind the scene. The administrator, Momire Wale, Pastor Ibuku, uh, Johnson, uh, Osai, minister to them. It's good ground, good ground. Number five, <laughs> okay, number five, the seed goes through a process. When you sow, your seed will not uh, present to you a harvest as soon as you sow. The Bible says in John <laughs> chapter 12, watch this, John chapter 12 and verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. Let me give you a hint as to what that means. Right? So, I sow a seed into AK's life. I think it's overdue. Okay. You and I will talk. I'm going to sow a seed because it's a good ground. I sow a seed into his life, and then I'm going home and I'm wondering how he didn't say thank you well. 
or what he's doing with the money. And I'm sure he really needs that money. Look at him. I gave him the money. He just said, thanks, pastor. Did you check to see how much I gave you? Is, have you received this kind of, you know? It, it means that seed is not dead to you. It's still very alive. You are still clinging on to it. And until that seed dies, it cannot produce for you. I believe in accountability. But as I said, I wonder what they do with money. I can tell you what they do with money. Yeah, that one is easy. Mortgage. <laughs> Utility bills. The children's church. Have you been to our children's church? Those children, they love their church. Anytime they tell them to come to the adult church, they are upset. <laughs> because we take care of our children. We run ministries. We help people. Anyway. But having said all of that, remember, again, I'm going to take you back. We already established that the seed is in you. And that seed that is in you is Christ. Every seed reproduces after its kind. The question I have for you today is, the seed of Christ in you, is it reproducing after Christ? There's so much I can talk about this. Because I have little knowledge, you know, molecular biology, I did a little bit. I can tell you some stuff about DNA and genes and things like that. Every seed has the genetic constitution to reproduce after itself. If the seed of Christ is in me, am I reflecting Christ? Am I reproducing after Christ? Very quickly, let me give you some examples. Number one, we know very well. The Bible says everywhere Jesus went, he was doing good. Jesus healed people. That's what he did. Do you have any desire to be like the seed that is in you? Laying hands and praying for people to be healed is not a prayer point that you need before you go pray. Why? Because the seed is already in you. If Jesus did it, I can do it. I went to visit a, an older lady a few years back. Said she was ill. She used to come to church. So I went to visit. No, she lived with someone that came to church. That lady has said, I knew her, but she doesn't come to our church. But they told me she was ill. So I went to visit. You know, and then I prayed for her. I just prayed. You know, Father, in the name of Jesus, Side for Jesus. I prayed and I left. <laughs> the next day, the lady calls me. I said, ah, Pastor, thank you. I said, Praise God. He said, ah, Pastor, really, thank you. I said, Praise God. <laughs> he said, But you don't understand. You really thank you. I said, Thank God. What I didn't know then was she was spending at least a thousand dollars on medication for pain. I didn't know that. Just said a simple prayer. Perhaps if I had known, I would have prayed harder. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Spitting from the mouth. 
That is not what heals the sick. The seed is in you. The seed is in you. So when she was healed, the seed was the one walking. The seed was at work. I'll tell you another story. Went to uh, Mexico, Monterey, Mexico. You know, to preach. They had a conference. So after I was done preaching, I made what we call an altar call. <laughs> you know, anyone wants to accept Jesus. And then people came out. And whilst we were praying the prayer of salvation for them, there was commotion in another corner. And I'm wondering what's going on. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking at people. So what did I do? <laughs> did I step out of line? Some, you know what had happened? While all that was taking place, the seed was at work. A boy that was born crippled, nine year old, just got up from his wheelchair and began to walk. I didn't pray for him. The seed was at work. Pat, give praise to God. Part of our challenge is we don't know the God in whom we believe. His seed is already in me. It's a natural thing for that to happen. He's not, let me go do, you know how we like to do this. I have a crusade. Let me go do seven days of fasting and prayer as if my prayer is what is going to make God anything. If you are not there before your fasting and prayer, I hope you will have enough quiet for God to be able to speak to you during your fasting and prayer. Watch this. One of the things that was a hallmark of the ministry of Jesus was compassion. Oh, man. Jesus was a compassionate man. As a man, very, very compassionate. The reason those healing power flew, flowed, Flow, flowed naturally. <laughs> I'm challenged here. <laughs> the reason the power flowed naturally out of him was because of compassion. If you don't have compassion for the sick, for the uh, for the lost, you <laughs> you will do all your eschatology and all your big grammar. People will get excited, but that's about it. Compassion. Compassion, compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. The Bible says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless people. Like sheep without shepherd. I love this. Matthew 14, 14. Watch this. Jesus saw huge crowd as he stepped off from the boat. And he had compassion on them. And what? Healed their sick. Compassion. Do you care for anyone outside of yourself? We have over the years built a selfish church. Just if God will play back your prayer sessions to you, 
majority of people will be ashamed. Because it's all about you. Oh, Father, give me breakthrough. Oh, Father, give me this. Oh, Father, do do that. Father, do 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 that. It's the same rhythm every time. Gimme, 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 gimme. Give me and then give me some more. Jesus had compassion for the people. He cared about people. You know, <laughs> I was... Uh, I was somewhere, okay, first, after, uh, what do you call it now? After pastor's appreciation, had lots of meetings in church. I didn't leave church that day until like maybe 4.35. As I was driving home, I'm calling my wife. I'm saying, when I get home, please get ready. We need to go visit this person in the hospital. Uh, we need to go get, visit this couple. So we made the plans. As soon as I got home, she was ready. We got in the car. We were going. As we were going, somebody else called with the, in distress. Somebody I know that when you see, you say, this guy is a tough person. Weeping uncontrollably. I said, I couldn't even make out what he was saying. Pastor, I'm like, what? I said, okay, don't worry. I'm on my way there. Watch this. We got to their house, and it happened that he had to make a five-hour trip that night. He picks the phone and calls somebody else, a member of this church, married with children. He calls him up. Said, bro, I need to make this trip. Can you take me? The guy said, sure. I'll be there. Ask yourself, is there anybody you can call like that that will drop everything for you? If there is none, it's not a reflection on them, it's a reflection on you. Because you have not meant that much to them for them to be able to drop everything and come with you. What that told me when I saw that situation, I said, this guy, he must have given and sown compassion into that other guy's life for him to receive it. Stop blaming people. Look at the man and the woman in the mirror. If that man in the mirror that you're looking at, that's yourself, by the way, in case you missed it. <laughs> when you look at yourself in the mirror, if you are not reflecting the genetic constitution and makeup of Christ, then you need to fix that as a first step. You do know in nature, in nature, there's no such thing as seedless grape. Some people miss that. In nat naturally, there is nothing like seedless grape. The seedless grape you have have been genetically modified to remove the seed. That's why you have seedless grape. May I suggest to you that it is possible, I'm not making a doctrine, I'm just suggesting to you, that it is possible 
that some people, perhaps the reason they are not able to reflect Christ is because their genetic constitution that is supposed to be the seed of Christ has been corrupted. And you know what that causes you to do? It causes you to blame others. They don't love you. Nobody cares. Nobody this. Can you imagine? I was sick. Nobody called me. When somebody else was sick, did you call them? Whatsoever a man sows, rise to your feet. I love We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.